I think if you're trying to find sponsors, just shoot your shot. Like, utilize your who you know already. Post on social and be like, I'm looking for sponsors. Like, does anybody know anyone that would be interested? And just continue to put yourself out there because no one's going to know unless you tell them. If you're even slightly curious about how to start a podcast or even building a community from the ground up, this episode is for you. I sat with the one and only Christina Perdita, who is the founder of InBold Company. It's not only a podcast, it's also a digital community and a platform for women of color to embrace their identities and finally feel a sense of belonging. We get really nitty gritty on what it's like to secure a guest, cultivate a relationship with a guest, secure a sponsorship, and ultimately how to build a community, how to keep your audience engaged, how to get people excited to be a part of the community that you're building. She gives her details on podcasting equipment and also some really good interview tips for any of you who are interested in hosting your own podcast, but also just curious about what it's like to be on the other side. Like, obviously, I'm the one on the mic, you're the listener, and you know, you kind of get a little peek inside the brain of what it's like to be the creator and the host who kind of like carries the conversation like podcast episode to podcast episode. So with all that being said, let's jump into today's episode. This conversation was recorded a few months ago, right before season two like came out. Actually, it was recorded like in April, I think. So yeah, let's get right into Christina's bold move of the week back from April, I guess. Oh, I love that. Okay, let me think what happened this week. Bold move of the week. Honestly, the first thing that came to mind was I'm making strides in building this community for women of color that I'm hoping to roll out by the end of April, beginning of May. And just like to do that and kind of for me, at least to get over this fear that I have of starting things and like being in a position of like leadership. I don't know. I think like all those things are very scary. And I think I talk to a lot of people about starting things, like starting new projects. And they're like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes you just gotta not think. Um, So I feel like that's one. And then I guess the other one was that I posted about Y2K fashion and I'm such a hater for it. And literally everyone has been DMing me. So those are two very different things. One's very work oriented and one's like, just silly nonsense on the internet like fashion yes I saw that yes. I, saw, I, saw, <laughs> I saw your story I for one also hate low-rise jeans have can't even yeah, it's a no for me like also I feel like they only look good on one specific type of body you know it's like it's like literally the skinniest person on earth mm-hmm. and anyone that had a fast metabolism when they were 17 yeah and they're like still and they're still like they still have a fast metabolism so they're still able to like rock that but I could never I never will don't you won't catch me dead can't be done I made I said what I said about y2k fashion on the internet and that's it (laughs) yeah Yeah. bold bold but I agree so tell me about the more professional strides that you've been making I want to hear like why did you start in bold company what's the mission where were you how did this idea come? Like, just tell me the birth story and like what it's grown into now. Yeah, definitely. So 
I guess to kind of start the like explanation of what Inbold Company is, um, for people that haven't heard of it before, Inbold Company is a digital media and community space for women of color. So we are here to help women of color embrace their identities. We're here for your self-discovery and making authentic connections with other women of color. And really where all this kind of stemmed from was my own journey of being a Filipina American first gen growing up in the States. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago in a fairly white community. You know, like I had white boyfriends, like all my friends were white pretty much. Like it just surrounded by that. And I was always the one token, like, brown friend. And I think growing up, I never really had anyone to talk to about anything. And I didn't really notice the different ways that it affected certain things that I thought, right? Like, I don't know, dating, like the guy that I was dating would rather date a white girl. Like I would also have never said this out loud ever, ever, ever in a million years, but I've definitely talked about it a lot with a couple of our guests on my podcast. But yeah, it's just kind of like all of these things, right? In our identity or like our cultural identity or how we present to other people is a large part of who we are because that is usually what people foresee when they, when they meet you, right? They see your name, they see what you look like. And I also went to college in Iowa, which is also not a very diverse place. And so as I got older, I really started wanting to seek out other relationships with women of color. I wanted to like make those connections and like bond over, I don't know, Filipino food or just like certain things, you know? And I I just couldn't figure out how to do it. I really couldn't. I was like, especially in a place where especially when you grow up in a place that's predominantly white, how are you really supposed to know what to do, right? And I really believe that everyone's journey and everything has to have a catalyst. Like no one just like wakes up one day and is like, this is coming from the sky. I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like, like you don't, sometimes you don't realize something until it happens to you. You know what I'm saying? And therefore like, Maybe you never really thought about your cultural identity before until X happens and you're like, wait, that's interesting. Or you hear someone else share an experience that they had and you're like, wait, I feel the same exact way. Why is that? You know, like something kind of has to spark a little bit of your curiosity and your like want to go discover and figure things out. And so that all being said, because I went through a lot of this weird journey with my cultural identity, I was like, oh, I can't possibly be the only person that has felt this way growing up, being confused, being like, how do I make other friends? Or like, are there other people that I can connect to better? And so that was really where it started. When I moved to Austin, which I know everyone says is a fairly white, place also. Mm -hmm. However, I've made so many friends that aren't white here, like the most amount of friends I've ever made in my life that are not white. And so we've had so many conversations about certain things. And I was like, oh, shit, well, if I'm gonna have these kinds of conversations, maybe I should just record them. 
And so that's how the podcast was started. And then after that, like we've done a couple of other things. We've been able to partner with Allbirds. Uh, we have a weekly newsletter called Women of Color Weekly, which I, is my favorite thing. Um, we just get to like celebrate women of color, show their different businesses, see, see what their work and their words are that they're doing, putting it out there. And then we also have events sometimes. And then at the end of the month, so it's April, 2021, we are rolling out a membership platform and doing away with Patreon. So we're like eliminating that and we're trying to create more space so that people can connect and actually talk. I absolutely relate on every level. My catalyst was when I got to college in Austin, but it took me so long to actually be comfortable with voicing who I was and, you know, like being able, comfortable showing it off. Like what made you Mm -hmm. comfortable with that? And how did you just be like, okay, I'm going to turn this into a community because I felt alone and I know other people are feeling alone right now too. Yeah, that's a good question. I think when I moved to Austin, I had just been living abroad in Madrid and I was very, very much thinking that I was going to stay in Madrid for another year. Um, But when I came here, I was like, oh, I think that I could really find a community of people that are creative and doing things that like are interesting here in Austin. So I was like, I'm just going to move. So one of my main goals when I moved here was to create a community and cultivate like relationships for myself. Like I was really just trying to build my life here. And as I started doing that, I started making a lot of connections with other people. And one of the big catalysts, I think, for me was that I met a lot of people through Boss Babes. So I was volunteering with them. Um, I was on the on their their community like volunteer board. I can't even remember the name of it right now, the exact official name. But anyway, and I met a lot of really awesome people there that were kind of like in this creative scene and we all just started talking and it was like the more and more I, I like dove into myself. So like seeking more creative friendships, seeking more ways to be creative, whatever you want to think of that. Right. Like for me, um, I work in the event industry. I like to write, you know, creating events and spaces is what I've guests have always been doing. I don't even realize it sometimes. But like the more and more I immersed myself and was trying to really dig deeper into who I was and what I wanted, it seems like the more it would come, which seems like a really weird, vague answer. But it's true. It's like almost like the second that you start really investing in yourself or really trying to understand yourself and what you like and what you don't like, all of a sudden... I felt like things were kind of falling into place. Yes, like almost like the law of attraction. Like you just start, mat- like pe- people or opportunities just start almost coming to you. Like you just attracted them into your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it was just like the more I kept like questioning myself or like why I do certain things, not to the point of, you know, like beating myself up about things, but just mm-hmm. being 
curious and compassionate with myself, the more things started to just happen. And so I ended up meeting um, these two women in Austin. Their names are Regina and Nina, and they had started a group called Collective Blue. And we actually started talking more about starting a, a event series of festival for Asian American women in Austin. And to be honest, like, I would have never done that on my own because I wasn't confident in like that part of my identity quite yet. And so being friends with them and creating that festival and like meeting other people again that felt the same way that I do that were also Asian American. I was like, oh my gosh, duh. You know, like these, and plus both of them really validated my, my experience. They validated all the feelings that I ever had. And they were like, you should start in bold. Like I told them my idea. I was like, look, this is the idea that I've had. I've had it for, I don't know, a couple of years now, but I'm kind of scared to do it. And they were like, dude, people are definitely going to, they're, it's going to resonate. You should just do it. And so I had already been sitting on the idea for like two years before I even did anything. And it really took like finding that confidence from like friends and other people to start it. Wow. That's a great question. Yeah. Two years. That's a long time to sit on an idea. And I'm so Mm -hmm. glad you did it because yeah, look at in bold company now. Like I remember finding when I was doing my own like podcast research before I started building what I'm building now, I was looking at, you know, what's already out there. What are guests already doing? What, what podcasters are local to Austin? Like, who would I even have on the show? And I remember finding In Bold Company and listening to your episode with Kara, Kara Perez, I think. Kara. Yes, mm-hmm. Kara. And that was, it was just like a constant like period of like research and, and seeing what styles I'd liked, you know? So did you do any of that research beforehand too? Or did you kind of, after those two years, like what was like, okay, step one, I've been sitting on this idea for two years. What's, what's next? What am I doing now? Yeah. So what I actually did was I, I was listening to a lot of podcasts. And so I listened to like a ton of like wellness podcasts and the wellness podcast space is pretty white also. <laughs> actually, let me just say real quick, all the, the entire podcast space is so white. I go into the Spotify podcast charts, Apple podcast charts. I... I'm just like, where are all the fucking women of color? Like, why are they not on the top rated, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it's so true. And so like, at the time I was really listening to this podcast called, I think it's called Let It Out. And it was, her name's Katie Dalebout. She's been podcasting for a really long time. And she was actually offering a course, like a super simple, how to DIY your podcast. And I was like, look, I need to just make a little bit of an investment and just learn basic stuff about podcasting. Hilariously, I didn't even remember this until my friend told me about it. <laughs> like when we we had studied abroad together and we legit took a podcasting course. I was like, I don't remember taking that at all. <laughs> Dude, what? Okay, me too. I took one in college. So I do remember like all the editing softwares and everything. <laughs> literally don't remember anything I was like wow I was definitely paying attention while we were studying abroad clearly 
but yeah, so I, I ended up taking this course and it was really nice because it was self-paced, but I think the investment and then like having something to be accountable to was really helpful for me to just stick with it. And that's kind of how I got started. Like I did listen to a ton of podcasts. I listened to a lot of people, but I was just like, look, I got to head down, make this happen and just put it out there. You already had the um, name of the community you wanted to build. Like you knew it was going to be in Bold Company. And like, Mm -hmm. did you do the graphic yourself? Did you seek someone out? When did you publish your first episode? Like what date was it? What year was it? And like, what were you feeling too? Like, I remember when I was posting and when I first announced, I was like shaking. I was like, I can't believe I'm actually making this. Like once you, once you go, like there's no going, like once you publish it, there's no going back. No, it's so true. Actually, let's see. Let me see if I can figure it out. Okay. Actually the anniversary of the first podcast episode passed last week and I haven't said anything about it, but that's because I'm like busy doing all this other stuff. Regardless. Yeah. I finished a podcasting course at the end of 2019 sat on it a little bit again, like was kind of like, okay, okay. Am I doing this? Am I doing this? And then dropped the first episode in April, 2020, not like not obviously anticipating that I was going to drop it in the middle of a pandemic. Right. So at this point we're like two, two weeks or so into the pandemic. And I was like, should I even be launching this right now? Like, do I need to do this? Like, is Mm -hmm. this okay? And um, the first episode was with a friend of mine. Her name's Fernie. She is Mexican-American. She's a holistic therapist. And we talked all about inner child work. And it was great. Like, it was just a good conversation. But it was also the first conversation, conversation that I had led. So I was nervous, you know, and actually the first real, real interview that I did was with my friend Sinitra and I had forgotten to click record. So stop. (laughs) Yes, I totally did that. So you didn't get to redo it. We like tried to redo it, but we had such a good conversation. It was so hard to replicate. You know what I mean? Of course. So really, this has been a quarantine project a year later. It's thriving. It's going. You also do it in seasons correct so yes like, does each, I do. can you explain like how you kind of structured your podcast and did you kind of figure that out since day one or was it something that you kind of built along the way mm, that is a such a good uh question to ask because with podcasting typically what you see is people put out podcasts every single week but it's a lot of money to make a podcast and I don't think people really <laughs> really like understand the amount of time and like money that you have to put into a podcast to like make the audio sound good to just get all the different things together. There's just so much going on behind the scenes. And when I started, I was like fully intending on doing it every single week. And so when I launched last year in April, 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, this is going to be like kind of stressful because I was, I, I also work full time and I work in events. So like events had also totally hit the fan, like shit hit the fan. It was nuts. It was a crazy time. Yeah. It was one of the, actually probably one of the industries that was hit the hardest. Mm-hmm. And so it required a lot of 
like my full focus on that. So like trying to do both of these things while navigating this like crazy lockdown, we're at home, you know, just like everyone's feeling very burnt out and everyone was struggling, right? Like every mm-hmm. single person was having a hard time. However, like the podcast did really well season one, but I had to cut it after 14, I think it's 14 episodes because I was like, holy shit, I'm tired. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm burnt out. And so that's kind of why I started doing everything in seasons was because with all the different things that we have going on, we're not just a podcast, right? We're, we have a community membership. We have a newsletter. Mm-hmm. We were doing events um, in the fall of 2020 with Alberts. Like I couldn't create quality content week to week without totally hurting my mental state in the process right and so I was like okay this has to be seasons we are gonna do two seasons per year and we do have to be picky about guests because we only have a limited amount of spots and so now that we're doing it in seasons there's a lot of planning ahead of time but I think that it'll be better so that it's pre-planned we know what's going on. It can overlap with a couple of things that we're doing in the community. We like have everything laid out. And like, I think after three seasons, I'm like finally getting it down. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. the thing. Everything takes practice. You're not going to be good at everything when you first start. And if you are, that's like really amazing and good for you. Wait, that's, but, you know, yeah. all of it requires work. Yeah, that's amazing. I love what you just said because... I just hope that everyone that's listening really like rethink the fact that you want to start a podcast. And if if you do like, hey, like I'm the biggest cheerleader for people who want to start their own platform. But I think what you just said about practice is key. I think I've had conversations with people who say, well, I, I want to do it, but I'm such a perfectionist and I, I need it to be X, Y, and Z perfect timing Mm. like you know they want everything to line up and that's just never going to happen and I'm sure you know that from experience like you also sat on Mm. on the idea for two years before you actually launched it and now but look at it like look at look at in bold company it's grown so much and I also love that you said about the seasons because I just announced like a pause a break because yeah it was yeah yeah like I literally the post went out today and this episode will be coming out after the pause so it'll be a couple maybe six weeks until I post again because I felt like just exactly like you described like you just feel like you have to be like constantly be putting out content. I was having interviews, like two interviews a week, editing Monday and Tuesday night from six to 10, both nights. And like, you're so, it's so time consuming. And then it's like the social media and the marketing and the community management. Right. Yes. So then you have to market, like you don't realize like someone has to market it and write everything out. And while I would love to have a transcript, I don't have money to hire somebody to do that or the time having a full-time job to like run out of transcript when at a certain point that is like a hundred percent one of the first things that I'm going to do but when you're doing what you're doing right like you have a full-time job then you're doing this at night like you have other things you have to take care of like Mm -hmm. yourself Mm -hmm. um pets if you have them you know there's like all these other things that are going on and like 
what I realized was like, my burnout is not good for this, this company or this community at all. And so I actually created the seasons based off when my slow season is at work. That's smart. Which is when- So events are typically slower in, in the summer in Austin, just because it's so freaking hot here. And so that's when I'll be doing the majority of like interviewing and, you know, creating the marketing stuff so that when fall rolls around and I am still busy, it's just already done, mm-hmm. right? Like I just want it to be done. I want exactly. everything to be ready to be scheduled out and rolled out without having to even like think about it. And so I think this year is just going to be an in-between year where we only have one season come out. Uh, but then we'll be back on like a regular two season, two season a year starting 2022. Got it. That's growth, you know, you just totally. got to change, change some shit up. How did you almost, because do you feel like you almost owe your audience like week to week? Like, oh, I've been putting out content week to week, but now I'm going to like switch it to seasons. Like, how did you feel about that transition? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I was actually thinking that. So I'm glad you asked. Part of me was like, I can't do that. I can't do it. I have to be consistent. I have to do this. I have to do this. I should do this. And then I was like, wait, do I? Do I have to do this? I don't actually. Like, I also was putting out podcasts, I think, on Tuesdays or Wednesdays and I, and, or something like that. And I realized with the habits at work, I was like not able to do it on two, like it was just not working with what was going on in my work, my full-time job work schedule to have an episode come out on that day. And I was like, why can't I just change the day? I also changed my day. I was like, I switched it from Tuesday to Wednesday. And I was like, ah, why did I like, I was like, why didn't I do this sooner? I think what it is, it's like, you feel a particular obligation you know to your listeners and to you know the people the community but like at the end of the day the reason you started something was because you have ownership of your project like you are making the rules no one's making the rules up for you you make them and if your schedule doesn't allow for you to post content on a certain day you have every right to change it and at the end of the day your listeners and your community is going to be better off because it's probably going to be better produced better created it's going to be better for them in the long run and better for you yeah I agree I found myself almost like frantically being like wait okay but who's our guest next week like we have to get someone and then just like dming and looking for someone to have a valuable conversation and then it adds pressure on like okay well it's gonna be out on time and I have to edit by x day to have it up and scheduled and then we have to make the social media announcement so it's a lot it gets a lot and I think that is the move I if I were to give advice to someone who wants to start a podcast and advice to myself (laughs) I'm going to follow the seasons thing what other advice would you give like as far as being giving yourself grace, giving yourself the freedom to like make your own rules. Yeah. I think when it comes to podcasting and then just in general, like making the rules up for yourself, like it's okay to change 
it's okay to change period if you're looking for permission to do so and you're listening to this like i'm giving you the permission to change it because you are also learning right like just like you said earlier about this idea of oh, i want it to be perfect I'm, I'm a perfectionist i was very much like that also but that is also just another way to procrastinate <laughs> and so yes you want it to be perfect yes you want it to like sound good and look and you know look professional and yeah you shouldn't try to make that happen but just know like as you're starting to get the hang of it as with any new thing that you try to do there's going to be bumps in the road where you're like oh i just learned that or like oh i am not liking this but i'm liking that and just like take note of it you know don't beat yourself up about it maybe even the things that you're like really worried about people don't even notice i find that too like i'll be listening back and i'll be like oh i hated when i said this or i will just be the harshest critic and then i'll have an a listener call me or text me and say, I love when you said this very same thing that I was like critiquing myself on. So tell me about also how you find your guests. You mentioned that a few of them, like the first few were friends. How do you, do you cold DM? Do you, how do you reach out to people to be your guest? How do you kind of sell your podcast to them? And, or is it pretty easy? Cause like maybe they're familiar with you. Yeah, I think I'm lucky because I have a pretty good network here in Austin. So a lot of the people that have been on the podcast so far are friends of friends or people I know. Um, so I haven't actually done any cold outreach really. In terms of guests, like I haven't really had to cold email anyone necessarily, except for one person who I was so excited that I got to interview. Her name's Ray Saragosa. She is a folk singer songwriter that I just like was super obsessed with and really wanted to talk to. And so honestly, I just damned her. And part of, I think anyone's strategy when you're trying to like cold ask someone to do anything is really realizing that you might not get an immediate like yeah I'm totally gonna do that when you first ask and so what you should really be doing and focusing on is cultivating a relationship like getting to know their work engaging with their content leaving comments you know just like doing that build up not in an inauthentic way but like genuinely because you you want to interview them right and connecting with them first before you ask, I think makes a big difference. Um, I also come from a sales background. So like, I know that if you're going to ask anyone to do anything, you got to like create the relationship. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is it pretty easy for you to create those relationships? Like you were new to Austin. How did you find this? Was it through boss babes or, you know, what questions did you find yourself asking people to really make them feel comfortable with you and just create the network that you have now? Yeah, well, I think that I've always been this way. Um, I moved a lot when I was little. So I feel like I've always really been able to blend in quickly or like just like be involved in, in communities really easily. That's just, I think it's part of like my personal superpower is being able to do that. Um, so I think if it's something that maybe someone struggles with, like, I think just talk, try to talk, start talking to the people that you're like genuinely interested in. There's no faking 
something when it's like coming from an authentic place, right? Like if you really have a major crush on someone, like comment on their stuff, you know, or like engage. It's it's not as hard as you think it might be. And you're not going to say anything stupid because anyone that like gets a compliment if you're like, oh, I really love that. They're not, you know, they're not going to be weird about it, you know, because you're appreciating the work that they do. And I think for me, like really trying to find that community and make connections was just always something that I like really wanted to do when I moved here. Like I was like, this is why I moved here. This is what I want. How do I make it happen? And my family has always taught me to like go after the things that you want, right? It's like, do you want that? Okay, go ahead and do it. And I've always just been that way. I was like, I want to move to Spain after I graduate from college great. I like did the research. I figured out how to do it and how to pay for myself to go do it. And then I did it. The internet's a great place too. You can like Google the shit out of everything now. (laughs) I get a lot of questions and I've gotten questions about like equipment, you know, personally, Mm. I just bought like a $30 mic on Amazon. I was like, Hey, when it comes, yeah. Like when it comes time to upgrade, I'll make that bigger investment. But right now it's just about getting started. Like, what are your thoughts on that? What editing software do you use? Do you have like special headphones, special mics? Like what are your tips? Mm, I think I have an Audio-Technica mic. It's a ATR2100 USB that I really like and I use it all the time. Um, And then I just have regular headphones, just like plain regular headphones. They're not Bluetooth. They just stick into my computer. Those work great. And then... A couple of the other things that I like to use are I like to use Squadcast. I know a lot of people use Zoom and I know I could easily do it, but I really like Squadcast for the sound quality. So it'll already take out the echoing in the background. It's a, it's like, I don't know, $10 a month. And so I understand like spending extra money to do things is kind of like, do I want to do this or do I, do I not want to do it? But if you don't want to do that, you can also invest in just Zoom. Well, literally so many people use Zoom and the audio sounds great. And then the other thing that I had to do just because of time is I outsource my editing. I can't, I can't do it because I have a full-time job and there's so many other things going on that like my time is precious to me. And so I know that I've been lucky enough to have secured sponsors for all of our seasons so far, which to be honest, like we broke even on the first one <laughs> and like, you know, we've made some money on the last one, but all that just gets reinvested back into creating more and doing more for the community. But that was something that I just had to do because I truly would not have time to do anything else. And if you have the ability to outsource, I recommend doing it. And that way you have more time to do other things for your community, right? Kind of, it's like a little bit of a balance. No, yes. And I love the transparency there because I just mentioned that I will spend eight hours in a span of two days editing and writing up captions and writing up the description for the episode and sometimes I look over and I'm like where did my day go like why did did I really have to do that do I invest in someone I just recently did get an intern to handle 
the social media and community management because I do social media as a job oh, and who? I did not need to like add another account to take care of for free you know and like worry mm-hmm. about creating content for them so I feel like that really has helped me so much and I've been thinking I'm like should I hire someone to edit because it's I'm I'm willing to make that investment in myself can I afford it like sure like I can <laughs> like what do I want do I want my time or do I want or do I not want my time like you know I guess it's like mm-hmm. it's a trade-off yeah exactly is it a balance a trade-off and then it's I'm like also- those eight hours could you do something else exactly and I'm like I fucking could I could probably I, I could probably make money during those hours with like freelance clients you know mm-hmm. so it's like where do I find that balance and right now I'm on episode 27 so it's like still pretty like early but also like I'm in it like I'm in it I have a good rhythm so I'm like what when is the right time to do that and I also would love to hear like tell me about your sponsors how did you get sponsors how do people or podcasters find sponsors yeah well to kind of address the one thing that you said it's like it's a trade-off for your time I think again not everyone has the means to be able to to do that. And so what I ended up doing was actually pitching a sponsor before I produced the podcast and was like, all right, that's my budget. This is, this is how we're doing it. Um, but I did a lot of research as to like how much things cost, like how much does it cost for someone to edit my podcast for me? Because I just don't have, I don't have, I don't have the bandwidth. You have to remember it's like, okay, if I just paid somebody a hundred dollars to I'm just throwing numbers out if I paid somebody a hundred dollars to spend their time editing this podcast that might take me four and a half hours and it might take them quicker because that's what they do is it worth it for like can I make that hundred dollars by emailing sponsors or people to talk to right you you have to kind of like do a little bit of math finagling um And so again, I like relied a lot on my relationships. Boss Babes was actually my first sponsor and I pitched them just like a regular person that hadn't been on like the committee. I was like, this is what I want to do. This is like what it would be. We can do whatever you want as your message. And they were like, okay. And so I think if you're trying to find sponsors, just shoot your shot, like utilize your, who, you know, already post on social and be like, I'm looking for sponsors. Like, does anybody know anyone that would be interested and just continue to put yourself out there because no one's going to know unless you tell them. Um, Mm -hmm. I think with all birds, I was very lucky in that they actually found me organically. They had reached out to me via DMS asking if I wanted to join their collective of like change makers and diff- the different cities that they've they have stores and so I was lucky enough to be able to be part of that community and it has been really awesome and a really really good collaborative partnership with them they're a really awesome company and like that's also something that I care about it's like if I'm gonna have a sponsor or a partnership with another company I want them to really value our community and what we're doing like it's not really 
about just the monetary portion of it. You know what I'm saying? It's not all just about the finances. I really care about like what the business is doing, what their mission is, especially if they're going to be coming on and, and into our being, you know, being able to have access to our people, because I think, especially all the women of color that are following in bold, like they care about specific issues and causes that like, I would never support a company that didn't have those same values, you know, regardless of whether or not they were going to pay me. Like, even if they pay were like, Christina, I'm going to pay you $10,000 right here, right now. I would have to be like, no, integrity is important to me. So that's something else to think about while you're, while you're like looking or if you receive an opportunity, just like make sure that those values are aligned with you and your community. And what about the like organic growth? Like, did you feel like it was hard to grow at first because, you know, you were barely starting the content? Or again, was it one of those things where your network really came through and was supportive and sharing to all of their pages? Um, and every time you have a guest, they also share on their own page. Like, tell me about that. Like, how did, did you put any money into marketing or was it kind of just all organic? Um, I didn't put any money into marketing. Everything was pretty organic, but like you have to just get really, you have to be able to get other people really excited about what you're doing, right? They have to be like also bought in and excited about what you're doing. And there's so many people in the world. So don't feel like people aren't going to be excited about what you're doing. Because if you look at like, I don't know, pens right there's like a bajillion pens in the world like you know so many people do so many of the same type of thing and you're what you do is going to resonate with some people and it's not going to resonate with other people and that's totally okay totally fine you just got to keep putting it out there and like keep talking about it right like no one like I said earlier no one's gonna know unless you tell them and I'm lucky enough also that like people feel very strongly about trying to explore their cultural identities, trying to find self-discovery, trying to like understand themselves from particularly a woman of color standpoint that it resonates with people. And so, you know, it's great. I'm like, I'm so happy about it because that's what I wanted. I wanted other people to feel like, holy shit, this is what I've been wanting and looking for. And I didn't even know. Yeah, you're so right. I I think a lot of people, myself included at times, get a, very lost in like the, oh, well, someone's already doing that. Or, oh, well, no one really truly cares. Even if I want to post like an Instagram story on my own personal page. So I will not, I don't always post my new episodes on there. Like I rarely actually do, even though my personal page has like a larger following. And I kind of always hold myself back because I'm like, oh, well, no one really cares. The ones who do care are already following. But like, that's so not true. Like I've, I should be so like loud and proud and vocalizing what I'm doing. And I love what you said about get people excited because if you're not getting them excited, like no one else is going to do it for you. That's yeah. Like- and like, you know, you don't even have to like outwardly post of of like this is a new episode you could literally take a like a photo being like oh my gosh interviewed this guest today you know like there's other like low-key ways to tell people what you're doing without telling them what you're doing yes it's like the tiktok it's like the tiktok challenge like tell me tell me yes. you're a podcaster without telling me you're a podcaster yes and like just being more 
I don't know, I'm maybe less shy and like caring less about what people will think because at the end of the day, I'm doing this for me and the audience that will tune in and those who mm-hmm. don't, don't, and that's cool. Was that something that you actually even faced, like a bump in the road of like, or not caring what people think and just like going out and doing it? Or did you face that insecurity or not really as a host? Because also oh, you're putting 100%. your, you're, yeah, like you're so vulnerable on your podcast. Like you're literally telling your whole story, feelings, and the guests you know like it's really like vulnerability 101 yeah I mean a hundred percent I still deal with this all the time I'm like what am I doing like you know even though people tell you like I really like this or like this is really resonated with me sometimes you do sit there and you're like I have no idea what I'm doing and that's a normal feeling and thought you can also still feel like do people care about this is what I'm doing like worthwhile and you just have to continue to remind yourself Yes. If you think it is, then it is. If you, you know, like, don't let your, don't let your inner critic come out and discourage you from doing the thing. That's what I think is really hard though to do is sometimes you just got to put your blinders on and be like, I'm nervous about what people think, but it's okay. We're just going to fucking do it anyway. Like I forgot who I was talking to, but I was telling someone, I'm like, I have a three, I have like a three question rule to myself. If I have to question myself three times about something, if I'm like hesitant, we got to skip it and we just got to do it. You know, if I like, I'm like, oh, is this caption good? Is this like an okay photo? Does, does anybody care about this? No, we're done with that and we're moving on and it needs to just be posted and you put your phone away and go do something else. Like post, put it away, go do something else. Yes, I love that. Even even one time, it's like sometimes when I catch myself posting a story I wouldn't normally, I just like actually get off my phone and don't even look at who's looked at it. Don't even go and see how many like clicks it has. Like, no, just fucking leave it alone. Also, mm-hmm. no one probably fucking cares. Like no one is probably like criticizing, you know, I think we're just- like, And even if they are- Yes. Why? Mm-hmm. Like who cares? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, even if they are criticizing you, I'm like- look, I have other things to worry about Mm -hmm. than other people doing whatever, whatever. So if someone's out there worrying about me, I'm like, I'm sorry that you spend your time doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, unless you're my mom, you shouldn't be worrying about me or if you're my husband. But like, (laughs) like, if you know, just somebody out there is like, I can't believe that they're doing that. Like that says a lot more about them than it does about you. And so I say, you just got to keep going. You got to keep doing it and you got to put your head down. And, and honestly, again, like I just try not to think about it. I'm like, yeah, I did say that. (laughs) I wonder if, I wonder if anyone's going to hear that I said that and know that I might've been referring to, I don't know, this one time that this thing happened, whatever. No one said anything to me yet. So it's okay. What's a good skill or something you've picked up along the way that has really allowed you to be a great interviewer because that's like tough. I don't think anyone can just like pick up a mic and almost be a good listener and be like not introspective, but like make it all about the guest. I've also heard like other podcasters say, well, actually I don't make it about the guest. I make it about the audience. Like what does the audience want to know? Like, is that something that came naturally to you because you were already a people person or like, What are some other good tips that you have for being a great, solid interviewer? Yeah, well, I think that a lot of my 
background in sales has been super, super helpful because when I first moved to Austin, <clears throat> I worked at a tech startup downtown on the sales floor. So, I mean, I was dialing 200 people a day, calling people, trying to sell them social media, like content packages over the phone in hopefully like an hour, you know, and these I'm calling real estate agents, loan officers, like people that don't want to talk to you and they definitely don't want to talk to a solicitor, which is what they were calling me. I'm a sales, I was a salesperson. And you really have to learn how to listen over the phone, like listen in audio and learn the different cues that you can hear from people while they're talking. And so that was a pretty shit job, but it taught me so much about listening. So much about listening is literally about listening. I don't think people understand that when you are listening to somebody else speak, it requires a lot of your attention. It means no distractions. It means being able to sense, are they sighing? Did they have a hard day today? Like, did they pause before they kept telling, they were gonna tell you something because maybe it is a really, it's like a soft spot for them, right? There's just like little cues that you can pick up, especially with audio, that you are going to have to train yourself to listen for and to hear, right? Audio is not just the actual words that are coming out of people's mouths. There's a lot of other stuff that is going on. And then uh, coming from the podcaster side, like as the interviewer, if you interview someone on a day where maybe you're not like feeling your best right? If you're not feeling 100%, you're, maybe you're not in the right mindset, you're not in the right mood. Something that we used to do on the sales floor was like put a mirror in front of us while we were on the phone. And so if, for some reason, like let's say you don't have your video showing. Talking to yourself and actually smiling will help make it sound like you're smiling in audio, but also it's funny to look at yourself, you know, like to stare at yourself and smile at yourself seems like such a silly thing, but you can change your energy that way. And your energy really influences the other person that you're interviewing. That's yeah, that's really genius. And I love that zoom, I'm able to look at both you and myself to make sure that like, it's almost a responsibility because like you mentioned earlier in this episode, like as an interviewer, you're leading the conversation and you're kind of, you're you're the passenger and like you're used right now you're used to being the driver how do you feel being the passenger like is it weird do you like it do you prefer it I like it I like both honestly like I'm totally down for either either side of the mic like if you're interviewing me I'm totally happy to say it I don't think I'm as comfortable being the person being interviewed because I haven't done it as much as interviewing other people and I think that's more of where my like skill set is uh but it's okay I'm learning how to respond to questions and how to make them sound and make sense so it's great yeah well that's amazing thank you so much Christina for taking the time to be here I would love it if you leave the audience with a resource a book a podcast a Instagram account that provides value to you Mm, so 
in terms of podcast resources, I'm trying to think. I think the main one that I did use was the Let a Podcast Out by Katie Dalebout because it was the most affordable podcasting course that I found. So that would be the one that I would recommend if you're just trying to like super simple DIY, like no fluff kind of situation. A podcast that I really like is Systems Saved Me by um, this woman, her name's Jordan, and that's all around business. So it's like one of my favorite business podcasts. Um, I also have really actually been liking the Girl Boss podcast now because Puno is the new host. And yes. that has been a huge game changer, I think, in terms of like their, their podcast. If you want to see something really interesting, even though Girl Boss is quite a big brand, the way that they switched their hosts from Sophia to Puno, I really like Puno's interviewing style. And obviously just like the more podcasts that you listen to, the more that you can hear what other people are doing and you can hear what you like and don't like as the listener, right? Maybe you don't like when people do really, really long intros into their podcast mm -hmm. then maybe that's something that you don't do you know so just I think listening to the one to podcast that you like is always going to be helpful to you so you can get ideas so you can learn from other podcasters um that's definitely one of the things that I do all the time and then resources right now you know, I'm going to give my, my friend Jules a huge shout out here because I really love her. And I just took her Simplify and Thrive course. So Jules is home in the city and she's all about like sustainability, simplifying, decluttering. And her course that I took has been so helpful in terms of like just simplifying certain things like my morning routine my nightly routine and using Notion, which is a big app that I use for like tracking all of my systems and processes. So like, that's where I check all the podcast stuff. Yeah, I think that's really good. You should check out Jules's Simplify and Thrive course. It's been really fun to do. And obviously like, I also know her, but she also donated a little percentage toward AAPI organizations too. So That'd be, those would be my my ones that I'm sharing today. Love it. And lastly, where can the audience find you and your podcast? Yeah, so you can find me at Embold Company on Instagram. And then from there, you can find our website. Um, you can find a link to sign up to our newsletter, Women of Color Weekly. And then also you can find me personally at Christina Perdita. So K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A Perdita, like in Spanish. You can always connect with me. I like love DMs. Totally happy to chat. And hopefully I can see some other people in the community. But Ingrid, thank you so much for having me on. It's so fun to be able to be on the other side of the mic and like get interviewed in practice. So you're helping me. <laughs> yes. I loved having you, Christina. Thank you so much for dropping all of your podcasts and community building knowledge. Like it's something that I'm very passionate about and continue, hope to continue to grow. So it's been a pleasure.